Hello and welcome to Winter Faith with Frazier. I am your host, Andrew Frazier, and I'm happy you are joining me today. It is a uh, afternoon that's a little bit chilly here in North Carolina. I think I woke up today and the temperature was 47 degrees, so I love it. Growing up in Wisconsin, love cold weather. All right, uh, let's get into this podcast. Thanks for listening. All right, well, once again, uh, my name's Andrew, and I'm just uh, grateful. Today is a uh, kind of a special day. Um, back in October of 2013, um, it was a very interesting time of my life, October of 2013, which was about or, uh, four years ago now. And when I think back to October 14th, it was an interesting kind of fall. I went to four funerals in four straight months of very uh, good friends. Uh, four straight funerals. Along with those four straight funerals um, in four consecutive months, I also was in grad school. Um, I was taking Hebrew in October of 2013. I was trying to finish up my master's degree in 2013. I uh, just had uh, started a, a new job in 2013 and I uh, was doing a lot of traveling uh, back and forth. I was in, in grad school and doing a lot of traveling and just a lot of, uh, like I said, a lot of significant deaths in my family. Two aunts, um, a good friend, Gary Cleveland, and also my grandmother on my mother's side. Um, and that was, I believe, August, September, October, November, four straight months uh, ending 2013 and and also went to a wedding in uh in michigan uh at that time so it was kind of a crazy period of my life when i look back on that and i don't look back on it so much as a really um bad time in my life but it was definitely a time that was difficult and a time that very much shaped me as i look back four years ago today um on this uh this month so, um, specifically, October 9th, 2013, was the um, funeral for my very, very good friend, Gary Cleveland. It was or, uh, October 9th was his death date, and the funeral was uh, probably around this time, uh, probably very close to, to this day, exactly four years ago. So, I wanted to take this time as, um, as I talk about, you know, winter faith and the things that have shaped my winter faith the uh, loss of my very good friend Gary Cleveland was so significant, and that is something that I know close people in my life, they know the importance of Gary. They know the importance of Oak Haven Church, also known as The Barn, The Barn Church in Oak Haven, Oshkosh, Wisconsin, 2175 Witzel Avenue, uh, right there next to Fleet Farm, and... Um, that place is so special to me because of the people there. And so one of the things that now living in North Carolina, spending time in Tennessee, West Virginia, Mississippi, Arkansas, um, Togo, West Africa, I've spent a lot of time, Jacksonville, Florida, um, spent a lot of times moving. I've been at several different 
um, churches in all those cities, worked for several different churches in youth ministry, in campus ministry, sometimes just preaching. Um, so Gary Cleveland's death was, I would say, maybe the start of my formation of this winter faith idea. I didn't learn the term winter faith until later um, from Richard Beck at, at ACU. But winter faith was just something that I think maybe it was just beginning to start when I look back on that semester at the end of 2013 and that time of my life. So Gary Cleveland was a minister to me. He was my mentor. He was my teacher, my rabbi, probably the person outside of my mom and dad that discipled me the most was probably Gary Cleveland. Um, he died of cancer in October of, of 2013, and, and I was devastated. And in many ways, I think I still am uh, maybe devastated because he was such a, a close friend. Uh, just two days ago, talking to my fiance, and I was talking about um, Gary, and she said something to the effect of, you know, I can't wait to meet um, Gary in heaven, or at least that's how I understood the message. Uh, that's what I thought I heard her say. And I started to tear up a little bit because it's one of the most beautiful thoughts I've heard in a long time, that death, new life, resurrection, we will see people again. And it's the difficult questions that I wrestle with when I think, uh, I believe people will know me because they know, or they'll know Gary because they know me. Um, on Sundays when I lead Bible study at a retirement home, I often talk about the Bible that I use, and the Bible that I use was given to me by Gary, which is kind of a cool story. In 2006, uh, I spent the semester in Greece um, studying and in, in outside of Athens about an hour, and when I came home from my semester abroad in, in Greece, I came home and Gary took me to a basic coffee bookstore, which is no longer in Memphis or in <laughs> no longer in Oshkosh, but the bookstore basic stood for Brothers and Sisters in Christ and had a little cafe and a Christian bookstore. And Gary took me to that bookstore when I got back from Greece and we were looking around the bookstore and he showed me this archaeological Bible. And I was like, oh, that's really cool because I've been to that place and I've been to that place and I've been to this place. And this Bible has pictures of the places I've been, like Mars Hill and um, uh, the Colosseum at Rome, just like the various pictures and, and study Bible in this archaeological. And I just thought that's so cool because I've been there. And Gary was like, well, pick up a copy because I'm buying it for you today. And I think about that moment, and I don't think that was the first time that Gary thought, oh, when Andy gets back from this trip in, in Greece and, and seeing Israel and Egypt and all the biblical places, I don't think it's on a limb that he took me to this bookstore and decided to buy this Bible for me that he knew I would like because of what I was doing in my life and what I was experiencing. I think he intentionally knew I'm going to buy Andy this study Bible. And that kind of intention and that kind of um, well-thought-out planning and caring, I think that's really what ministry is. It's intentionally being a friend to someone. Um, I think that, you know, I think how long, how long did, did Gary spend knowing that that's what he was going to do when I get back and that's the gift that he's going to give me when I get home? 
I just think there's something very real, and I, I like to think that he might have known for months or at least weeks or days that he was going to do that because he was very intentional. Um, another memory I have of Gary is when we uh, we would go camping, and we would go camping for five or six days with our youth group, and I loved it. Um, he loved camping. Um, our church, I think, really loved camping. Um, we had several people that, that really influenced us, and and me and my sister, many other people in the youth group that maybe didn't grow from families that camped, but we had a church that camped, therefore we camped. And there's something very Old Testament and biblical probably about camping uh, for the community of God. And uh, so Gary, uh, a lot of times we would have gifts that we'd give out at the end of the week. We would draw a name, and at the end of the week we'd give a gift and, and say a few words uh, for the person. And so Gary one year uh, made me a walking stick. And during the middle of the week, he had me kind of try on the stick to see if it would work. And even at the time, I thought, oh, I bet Gary drew my name. I bet Gary is is planning this so that he can give me this walking stick later at the end of the week on, on Friday night. And I was right. But at the same time, it didn't matter that it wasn't a surprise to me because those those memories of that walking stick and him giving me that walking stick and saying some kind words and encouraging words to me, that once again was kind of this intentional friendship, this intentional ministry that Gary was doing for me. And if you want to know, that walking stick is still in... Uh, in my possession, it's at my parents' house in Oshkosh. I still have it from uh, youth track of, I don't know what year it was, maybe like 2002, 2003, I'm not sure. Um, but that was kind of the, the foundational to me, and it was this environment that he created and this kind of ministry that he created within our church and within me, within my parents, within my sister. I think he was very influential on hey, let's, let's go out and let's serve people through friendship and through relationship. And, and by how he lived his life, I believe that's how he taught us how to live and taught me how to live. I also think that um, oftentimes he would kind of do this observational ministry. So he would take us to coffee shops. He would take us to this is a random memory, but he would take me to Burger King. <laughs> I remember him taking me to Burger King and he would go and we would order a burger for a dollar twenty-five or something, and we'd sit at this Burger King and he would say, Okay, I want you to observe people. I want you to pray over the people that we see. I want us to try to have conversations with people uh, that we see. And just within man, it probably was Four or five months ago, I went to a Burger King. True story. Not making this up. I went to a Burger King, and uh, this guy um, was living on the streets. He actually lived in a... Uh, he told me he lived in the, the trees and the forest a um, little bit outside of the city, and, and he got money from Social Security. He was living out in this forest and didn't really see a need to get a job or, or find a home, didn't have any interest in staying in a homeless shelter. And so this guy, I took him to Burger King, and um, I don't know if this is unusual for him, but um, I said, hey, get a table for us. I don't know if he's used to people buying him uh, food. I don't know if he's used to people saying, hey, pull up a table, let's eat together. So we uh, we ate our uh, $2 burgers together, 
and uh, had our fries together and we sat at a table and I just asked him kind of just questions, you know, like what kind of careers have you had? Um, you know, what's your income like? What's your life look like? Where do you live? Where do you stay? How do you get by? Um, and we had a, you know, it was maybe about 15 minutes. We didn't stay in there very long. But that was some of the influence that Gary had on me was this silly, you know, the silly memory of Burger King, but yet how I kind of keep on the uh, BK Lounge ministry, Burger King ministry that I uh, continue to have, I guess. So Gary had a tremendous influence on me, his personality, his connection with me, um, really a, a huge connection with me. Um, and he knew kind of the questions to ask me. Um, when my sister got married in 2010, I remember sitting in the office with him and he said, how does it feel to have your younger sister get married before you? And I was like, oh, ouch, that kind of, that kind of stings, Gary. And he was like, well, that's just a question I had. And we had this conversation about, you know, just, you know, what it's like to, to not get married first, to have a my younger sister, who has been happily married since May of 2010, and I'm awesome, very happy for her, and I was happy for her then, but I think he knew that it probably did affect me a little bit <clears throat> to see that. He was very concrete in his ministry, very practical in his ministry. One of the books that he gave me is called Simple Church. I don't read the, the, church, uh, the book too much, but it's about returning to God's process to making disciples. Um, and that was something that, you know, I really think there was a lot of simplicity that he taught me and, and that kind of sticks with me today. Also, he had this message of don't call sin it, but call sin by its name. A lot of times I catch myself still doing this today. I'll say, man, it's really making my life bad. It's like, well, call, you know, if, if lust is a problem, then let's call it lust. If greed is a problem, let's call it greed. It's selfishness is a problem. Let's call it selfishness. Um, let's not call it it. Let's call sin by its name. Uh, call everything by its name. Kind of a message that, that I think that Gary would show me. He also had said that our church at Oak Haven was very much just like a, a big house. We just didn't have a big enough house for everybody to fit in, so we decided to meet here instead. So our barn church, Oak Haven Church, was very much like a house. We were always in people's homes. I was in Gary's home. Gary was in my home. Gary's families were in my home. His He had three boys, his wife, his dog, Otis. I remember Otis. Gary lived behind a uh, soccer field. That A lot of times, people from church, we had a lot of soccer players, and sometimes we would play soccer, and the game might be rained out or it might be late. So we'd go over to the Cleveland's house um, and stay there for a little bit before soccer. And I think when I look at some of Gary's views that influenced me, his view of church his view of sin, his view of marriage and relationships and friendships, uh, his view of of what uh, women's roles should be or the role of instruments in church, the role that you know our Church of Christ heritage should have in my influence as a as a minister. These are all things that you know when I look at this, it's like pretty much my whole life. He had some influence in tenth grade. My high school class uh, was reading To Kill a Mockingbird, and Gary Gary grew up in Birmingham, Alabama in the 1960s, and so he had a, 
a lot of experience with racism. His family, I remember his family talking about how they were kind to African Americans in their community where other churches were condemning them. And so he um, he came and he actually spoke to my class. He spoke to my English class in my high school about what it was like growing up in Birmingham in the 1960s. And what a powerful influence to have your minister come to your high school class. And my high school uh, um, class didn't think he was like lame. They didn't think this minister was lame. I remember my friend Mike said, you know, Gary was kind of a cool cat. <laughs> it just kind of stuck is just kind of always sticks with me that even people that I went to high school with that he just dropped in and I actually told my teacher, "Hey, my minister has a great story about his experience in the 1960s in Birmingham and we're reading this book about racism and and so he came and talked to our class. She thought it was a great idea. And like that's, you know, I think that's the type of person that I want to be that, you know, my son or daughter 10 years, 15 years from now can have me come and speak at a high school class and people don't automatically roll their eyes and say, oh, it's just another minister. I don't, you know, I don't want to listen. Um, I still listen to Oak Haven Church podcasts. I have about 50 of Gary's um, sermons on my on my um, iPad and, and I listen to these sermons, I would say once a week or so. I have about 50 of them. And I'm just really thankful to be able to listen to his voice and to be able to listen to Gary's sermons, it's such a blessing to my life. And if I am missing him, I'll go back and I'll listen to him. And there's just something about hearing somebody's voice that is very memorable to me. I still have VHS tapes of my grandparents when they were alive, playing with me as a kid, or, or seeing my cousins uh, who are a lot older now, and my cousins even have kids now. And so to see, you know, to see me as a kid to see my cousins and my sister when we were under the age of five and to hear my grandfather's voice. Um, it's something powerful to just experience. There's something about that memory of hearing people's voices and that just does something to you. I remember playing basketball with Gary. I remember playing football with Gary. Our churches would have basketball events. Our churches would, would uh, play sports together. We had an indoor soccer league. Uh, at one point, I remember being very little, and I think we played at South Park's gym. can't remember, but I want to say that's right. And so when uh, I, I have just all these, these memories, I just think it's so important to just think about, you know, where my winter faith, I think, really began was with the death of, of close, close friends. And I don't want to bore people too many uh, with too many memories, but I just... I think there's something so good for me to just reflect on all those memories of my good friend that I don't get to um, don't get to spend time with in the same way. I have a, a friend uh, who is in uh, Celebrate Recovery with me, and he just says, you know, if you are missing Gary, just kind of talk to Gary like he's there. Write a letter to Gary like he's there. There's just something very therapeutic about that, something very healing about that. Also, it was advised to me if, you know, if you're struggling with it, maybe reach out to his family, reach out to his family that's still alive and just say, hey, I'm, you know, I'm thinking about Gary today and he had such a great influence on my life. And a lot of times it doesn't make people more sad, but it makes people just grateful that you're still holding on to somebody so significant to their life. So I, I, I just... I want to encourage you 
if you are struggling with the the loss of of someone in your life who's no longer um, living here on on this earth on this side of heaven that you will be able to uh, reach out to somebody in their family write a letter um, talk about them talk to them um, maybe you have maybe they were a musician um, one of my grandfathers was he played the guitar a lot so I have a, a cup I have a song of his maybe even a couple of songs that I listen to to his song and it'll kind of remind me of of his voice we just we need to do things to keep our memory alive because I just think as I've said before the power of narrative the power of story the power of memory that's what really influences people um, statistics and facts logic and knowledge these are these are good things these are helpful things but I'm not sure that they are as influential to changing people's lives as stories um, right now, I, I work at a, a homeless shelter. I'm doing um, a small group with high schoolers. I am also a part of a Bible study at a retirement home with mostly widows that are over 80 years and up. And so I kind of see um, different stages of people in life. Um, I hang out with a three-year-old, four-year-old, sorry. I hang out with a four-year-old quite a bit. So there's just something powerful. All age groups love stories. Um, so I know that I've, I've shared a, a few stories of Gary. There's, I just want to run through a few, uh, I guess, a few more memories. Uh, we would have devotionals at his house, and he would have a hayride at his house during the fall time. He would have the church to his house and they lived outside the city a little bit he would do a hayride for people and he would dress up as bible man which now bible man has actually been made into a markable prophet but i think at the time it was just gary <laughs> wearing this ridiculous suit and ridiculous hat and he would come and come to our wednesday night kids kind of events as bible man uh, I remember I saw uh, a Packer game on Monday night. It was Randy Moss's rookie season, I believe, 97, 98. For sports people out there, Randy Moss's rookie season, I think he had like 200 yards and three touchdowns against the Packers. It was raining like crazy, and my dad and Gary and I went to that. Um, he had a celebration of life back in September of 2013, and basically, a lot of times we celebrate people's lives with funerals after um, after they're gone. But he decided to have a celebration of life, and our church decided to have a celebration of life while he was still living. So he came. You can find it on YouTube. I watched it not too long ago. He spoke for about 15 minutes. We probably had like 400 people show up. And he just, you know, it was just a celebration of his life while he was still there, just giving hugs to people and telling stories and what a what a powerful impact that is i'm not sure if that's recorded on video the whole thing but at least part of it to have this celebration of life is something i think just so bold and so courageous to say hey i'm leaving soon but you know i'm going to i'm going to come and and i'm going to meet people and allow them a chance to say goodbye to me during that celebration of life weekend I got to preach the day after. Celebration of Life for Gary Cleveland was on a Saturday. And then Sunday, he asked me to preach 
I just had done a wedding on Saturday, and so I got up to speak at Oak Haven, and this is um, really powerful. I got done preaching. I talked about discipleship. I actually talked about advanced discipleship. I think I still have the PowerPoint. It's not recorded, but on that day, I just I preached, and I got done preaching, and Gary was Gary was very tired. And uh, Gary came over to me after this sermon, and he gave me a hug, and he just said, "You know, I wish that we, I wish we recorded that today. I really, you know, I, I forgot to record that today. And honestly, Andrew, like you're gonna remember preaching this sermon for the rest of your life. You're gonna remember this day. You're gonna remember me being here. You know, I'm so proud of you. Um, so proud of you, Andrew. And and I wish I could have recorded this because this is." You know, you're going to remember this. And just that intentional ministry that he did on that day that I still think about. He only said maybe three sentences to me. I think I, I don't think I exactly said it the way he said it just now. But but that's, you know, that's how I heard it. That's how it stuck with me. There's some truth to, to that, that he was able to kind of say, hey, you're going to remember this day. And I'm so sorry it's not recorded. But, you know, this is a special day. So kind of take it all in. Oakhaven was very, I'm sure that's the most that I've ever, I'm sure that's the most people I've ever preached to, um, was on that day back in September of 2013 at Oakhaven. And so Gary would um, go to heaven about a month after that day. And his funeral was, um, his celebration of life, his memorial service was powerful. Um, you know, I still think about it, especially every October uh, that it goes by and see people comment on Facebook and Twitter, uh, his sons, his son-in-laws, um, his daughter-in-laws, I should say, um, the influence that his family continues to have on my life. The um, Frazier family, my family has always been close to the Cleveland family, the Holly family, which has been close to me, it's always been close to the, the Cleveland family and the opening song that I play on my podcast is from Caleb Hawley, um, The Other Side of It All, and he had a, Gary had a big influence on that family, so I, it's just, it almost comes full circle that I almost can't do anything in my life with something not connected to Oak Haven Church. Um, Gary always said the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Kind of a silly, silly saying but uh, always kind of stuck with me and my family and I'm sure many other people at Oak Haven. Uh, so the main thing to me is kind of this idea of, of keeping God through Jesus at the core of my life. I think that's what, G that's what Gary meant by it as well. That the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. There's something cryptic about it. There's something simplistic about it. But it's really, you know, I think our Christian life and our churches can get caught up in a lot of complex complexity. I think our culture is always asking us to run around and move. It's always asking to go one place, go the other place. And so we need simplicity. I wanted to leave um, with just a, a few things that still influence my life from Gary. Uh, this concept of the relational God that Gary picked up from Walter Brueggemann and Terence Fretheim, um, two big, big Old Testament scholars that were influential on him, that the, uh, the relational God to be, you know, that God is for us, that God is not against us, that God is about the relationship between us and the world and, and God. 
So this idea of the relational God and a creator God, a big influence on me. Um, that church is not just the Church of Christ, that the church is everything, that the church is not something that we do or something we go to, but the church is something that we be, that we be the church, that we are the body of Christ and the body is moving, the body has parts, the body has arms and legs and head and it's going places, it's moving places. That was a big influence. Also, I think just the idea of spiritual transformation is probably the last thing that he taught me. So that spiritual transformation is is key to our life and if you know, if we're not Um, We're always going to be transforming. We're always going to be changing. And we can either be changing in a spiritual way way that is positive or changing in a spiritual way, uh, transforming in the negative way. But we're always going one direction. Spiritual transformation is not, um, we're never in neutral. Um, We're always either getting closer to God or getting further away from God. And and that's something that that I think I picked up from Gary. So I would say Gary was probably the greatest rabbi in my life, and he taught me how to live um, as far as a living example. And he followed Jesus as, um, you know, Gary followed Jesus, and I tried to follow Gary as Gary was following Jesus. And whatever influences in my life, I hope that they follow me as I follow Gary as, as he followed Jesus. And, and also his friendship with my dad, I think, taught me friendship. His dad and I, or my dad and him would play soccer together. I remember seeing that from a young age. And I remember them playing basketball together and me being a part of that at Max Bonashinsky's gym. I guess it was Clayton High School's gym, but I just call it Max's gym. Um, Gary went um, above and beyond his influence on me many days, taking me into his office, drinking coffee together. I can't even begin the number of times that I went into his office and just just talked to him. And I finally, um, I, I pulled up a, uh, a binder of, of notes, and I have a note here from Gary. So I thought I would close with this, uh, reading this note that he wrote to me. And you'll get a context of maybe who he is if, if, you, don't know, if you don't know him. Um, he says, hey, Andy, happy 18th, 18th birthday. I have enjoyed being around you and watch you grow into the young man you are now. I look forward to seeing all that you become for God in the next chapters of your life. You are a kind of guy who brings the joyful presence of God wherever you are. So keep the faith, keep on risking for God, keep the music in your heart, and keep on running for the Lord. Your brother in Christ. Uh, your forever brother in Christ, Gary. So this was written, obviously, my 18th birthday. A few things that are significant to me as I read it this morning. You know, that he was saying, I look forward to the next chapters of your life, even though he hasn't seen all the next chapters of my life. He didn't see me graduate with my master's degree. He didn't see me um, about to get married. Uh, he didn't see the career path that I would do in chaplaincy, but he did, um, you know, maybe he still sees it now, but that's significant, that next chapters of my life. Keep risking for God. There's something so good about risking for God, and I've taken some risk in my life as far as jobs maybe I wasn't ready for, maybe moving, 
places I wasn't ready to move. And this idea of keep running for the Lord, um, you know, running was something I was very good at in college and high school. I'm not as good at as, uh, running anymore, but he kind of knew the significance of running to me. And the last line here, um, your forever brother in Christ. I needed to hear that. I needed to hear that, you know, he is my brother in Christ, but it is forever. It's not like he's gone um, now. He's just in a different a different state. And so I, I just, you know, I think that, you know, this podcast episode was definitely more for me and and hopefully people that know Gary knows that, you know, that this is uh, significant to just be talking about him four years, uh, four years later um, from his memorial store service at Oak Haven. So it's just special to me. This is a special episode to me, and it's just special to think about uh, the influence that Gary had on me, on many others, and, and I just pray that my example is something halfway close to uh, what Gary the rabbi did for me, the sage did for me uh, in Gary, and also that you know his friendship with my dad is an example of how I can be um, friends to uh, to other people. His influence as a preacher is how I can be a preacher to other people. His influence as a father is how I can be a father. His influence as a teacher and a minister very much indicates, or or I try to kind of give a nod to Gary's ministry and how he did things. So I really appreciate people letting me share those memories. Maybe it was, uh, maybe it was boring to some of you. I hope not, but, uh, I'll let, uh, I'll just let you sit with that for a little bit. And man, thanks for tuning into my podcast. Thanks for listening. Uh, this is going to be Caleb Holly, other side of it all. And, uh, I'll let that finish it out. And I will talk to you next week. All right. Take care. In Germany, they had to build a wall. I couldn't get along, so they just divided it all. But family-